Hello and welcome to the Truth About Local Government podcast, a podcast aimed at providing a platform to promote the excellent work that the political members and officers of local authorities are doing to overcome the increasing challenges facing the communities across the UK. Additionally, we will be promoting the wider way of career opportunities that exist within local government. We hope this podcast will help drive engagement between the public and local authorities across the UK. Welcome back to The Truth About Local Government. Now, today we're going to be talking about the economy, and we're really excited to have the Executive Director of the Institute of Economic Development, Mr. Nigel Wilcock, on to talk about economic development um, and and all its uh, various nuances and what it means for the people, what's going to happen after the elections. Um, It's going to be a great conversation. But first, Nigel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How are you? I'm very well, Matthew. Thanks for asking. Um, Yeah, it's... uh... The beginning of the autumn, everything seems to be getting going again after the summer, and uh, and I suppose all eyes are on what is going to happen next year in terms of uh, the election as well. Amazing. Well, let's start off with a, a simple question, but potentially, um, you know, an interesting one. What, in a nutshell, is economic development? Well, it's one of those subjects, you know, when you may be talking to people um, and they don't really know what you do, and you say you're involved in economic development, and I think sometimes their eyes glaze over and they really don't have a clue what, what you're involved in. But but to me, economic development is all around the work to improve the performance of local places. Um, so that can be whether that's in, in a physical sense in terms of the built environment, the level of housing, the amount of employment space, whether it's about the skills of the community, whether it's about our town centres, whether it's around overall vitality. But um that that in a sense is is what it's all about. And in terms of obviously, you know, your position with uh, if we can talk about that to begin with, what is the Institute of Economic Development? So the Institute brings together all those people who are involved in economic development. So that can be people in, in local government. It can be people involved in consultancies. But if you think more widely, social housing organisations, universities, Um, There are many, many organisations involved in making the economy a better place. The Institute is all about trying to share best practice, provide continuous professional development, get involved in trying to influence policy and cascading good ideas. Uh, And we do that across our our membership and externally. So the Institute is now about 1,200 people, um, many of the largest local authorities involved, as, as you'd expect. Our patron um, at the moment is Baroness Blake, but previously we've had him, you know, other political figures who've been involved in economic development were not political, were completely apolitical, but we've had Michael Heseltine, um, obviously from the Tory side, but but, but very involved in in, in economic development. Uh, and we've also had Sir Howard Bernstein uh, from Manchester. Uh, so I guess a slightly different p- perspective on life, but but all of them with a passion to try and bring back economic vitality to the regions of the UK. So what role do local authorities play in economic development? They play a really important role. And, and I, I think one of the things that the Institute of Economic Development is very keen to progress is to make sure that local authorities see economic development as a statutory activity because at the moment it's actually something that they often do or most do but in a non-statutory way um so local authorities i mean they've all got a planning function 
so statutory planning how you deal with land use in the future but when you sort of consider what goes into land use you've got to think about well where's the evidence for what for what the level of development should be how much housing there should be how many offices where offices should go etc so so economic development plays a role in that but more importantly again just that sort of overall direction of travel as to everything that goes on in an area, how it's coordinated, what's required, what's missing, what should be done. So um, it also ties, therefore, into the skills and development role of a local authority. So setting the agenda for skills providers in the area, what's missing in, in terms of skills, and then what actually might be able to be undertaken to unlock economic activity. So that might be transport improvements, it might be new skills facilities, um, it might be opening up new facilities in a town centre. All of these things require a bit of knowledge of the area, knowledge of what's missing, knowledge of why the market may not have delivered it and therefore how might it be delivered in the future um, so it touches lots of other de departments in a, in a local authority but it's fundamental to the future of place why is economic development not a statutory responsibility do you think at the present time well i think it's been kicked about a bit between different organizations obviously um, government uh, gets involved in setting the direction of travel depending on which government we're talking about. We've had industrial strategies, um, but uh, so that was really a central idea. Uh, but then the idea to cascade locally, we've had the obviously the levelling up agenda. So, so central government gets involved in it uh, and sees its importance. It's then long time ago now, I suppose, had regional development agencies. So they were the principal um, organisation engaged in it. Then we had the local enterprise partnerships or often referred to as the LEPs. So they were doing a lot of this work. Um, so through all of that time, local authorities were still there doing understanding local needs, translating local needs into projects, but actually working with these bigger organisations. And, and I suppose, therefore, um, nobody ever really got around to thinking about it as a statutory function. It just sort of happened. Um, now, I think We've had the end of the regional development agencies a while ago. We've now had the announcement that LEPs are going to be um, disbanded. So we're left with uh, the position where the only people who are able to translate this at a local level and indeed make sure that government policy is delivered consistently from an economic development point of view at a local level are local authorities. And they've obviously, we all know, all the challenges they've had around lack of funding has meant that maybe some local authorities have thought well is this a luxury that we can no longer afford but but actually when you think about it if there's no other organizations in this space right now and all this work needs doing it, it's fundamental so that's why we're calling for it to become a statutory function but you can sort of see by history and accident it has never been such a such a given that status in terms, obviously, the approach to economic development, obviously, there are nuances with councils across the UK in terms of whether they're rural or city, um, uh, you know, areas or maybe their economies are more developed or their economies are focused around different uh, sectors. Is there a different approach needed for different types of councils in different parts of the UK or is it is it fundamentally the same approach? 
it's it's definitely not the same approach it might have the same it might have the same pillars of activity so you might have feeding into planning policy you might have supporting providing business support you might have work to develop sectors and in, uh, to attract sectors you might have work to understand the skills needs you know etc et but in each case those pillars are going to have a completely different outcome so um, in a city we might be looking at digital skills and looking at uh, looking at how we attract more digital businesses and creating those um, focuses of activity around around digital digital activity smart city kind of stuff in, in rural areas we might be thinking about how agritech is going to revolutionize productivity in farming so you, you can completely see that the work that's done will depend on the local the local areas um but the but the fundamental pillars i think are broadly the same i think however that local authorities don't all approach it in the same way so fundamentally some local authorities might have stripped it back and are really looking at providing a little bit of, of business intelligence economic intelligence and business support others might undertake all of this activity but they might do that from a perspective of growth from a perspective of business and they might have one eye on how you grow the economy to maximize future business rate receipts section 106 contributions new homes bonus community infrastructure levy all of those things that are going to underpin the future revenue streams of of local authorities i think other local authorities have taken a different tack um, and rather than focusing on growth and focusing on business they focused on inclusivity and communities and, and, and an element of that and a reason why you might do that other than other than obviously you want to make sure that economic development is relevant to to your, to your local community one reason for doing it might be to ensure that you've got more prevention in terms of social need coming down the track so can social care budgets in the future um, be eased by the fact that fewer people are finding themselves in um, difficult situations. We're reducing the number of de deprived communities. So, so I think two different philosophies for how you go about economic development. And in terms of the consequence, you talked there about, you know, councils obviously are under a huge amount of pressure at the moment and therefore kind of prioritising time and resources is really challenging. When it comes to economic development, what are the consequences if this work is not completed? Well, I mean, I think in terms of translation of economic aspirations of the country at a local level, um, it just won't get done. So we can talk about levelling up. And if you look at the things that are in the levelling up white paper, so um, strengthening communities, strengthening governance, pride in place, um, improvement of transport, all the things that are in the levelling up white paper. Um, well, government isn't doing any of that at a local level and you know nor do i think it should because it will depend on the needs of a community um but there are no other organizations picking picking this up so there's no there's no translation of 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 government policy into local into local action which is the first thing but i think more fundamentally if we want to be clear on the direction of where we're going if we want to allocate enough um, enough land and property into different types of activity if we want to make sure that our skills meet the future demands of industry um, if we want to make sure that our communities are getting access to opportunities well 
these are all the day-to-day -day roles of economic development professionals. Um, without it, we're just leaving everything to chance. We're leaving the market to develop um, where it where it where it sees fit. But obviously, going to choose those places where the greatest returns are, are made. And we're rather hoping that communities sort of by chance find their way into the right jobs and get the right skills. But there's there's no design around the interventions that can you know, just help organisations and people find their way in the world and make communities better. I think that's the thing, isn't it? You know, economic development is not a mistake. It doesn't just happen. You know, there is sometimes organic developments that happen in an economy. But if you really want to optimise and get the most out of an economy for a local area and indeed for local residents, then there needs to be a proactive attempt to engage with it and have a, a coordinated plan that meets the needs of that community and the aspirations. Um, is economic development, would you say, relevant to the lives of local residents? Yeah, it, it, it absolutely is. Um, it's the sort of thing that is going on in the background without people necessarily seeing it. But if you if you've come from or if you live in an area um, that has maybe suffered some decline, maybe a large employer has, has left, maybe maybe skills, maybe the skills provision wasn't what it was. Um, maybe there wasn't enough employment land to attract uh, to attract a large company. I think economic development is changing the way that businesses invest that, that it is attracting new investment it's attracting new job opportunities it's bring it's bringing new skills to people it's ensuring that there's a there's a proper match between the needs of residents and how um, how business organizations will create those opportunities to allow people to have more opportunity in life um, and you know I, I I think to your point about what is economic development and 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 does it happen just naturally? I, I think in the highly performing parts of of the UK, well, businesses will always want to invest. Um, they might pile in, and you know, everything will look to be pretty vibrant, and and the and the economy will have a high degree of vitality. But will those businesses translate their activity into the skills for local residents? will they actually undertake work that is helping the lot of the local area so that's one question and that's in your that's in your booming area and then if you go down the other route in those locations where actually not much is not much is happening from an economic development point of view and there might be some critical things whether it's infrastructure or land or funding or skills something needs to unlock the beginning of that growth that won't happen without an intervention. And that, again, is where uh, economic development um, uh, organisations are involved. And I mean, there's plenty there's plenty of examples of, of where that's happened. And, you know, very famously, people look at the London Docklands. Um, well, that would not have happened without without an economic development perspective. But equally, um, that's true of um, other areas of uh, of those left behind towns where suddenly a new initiative has has, has breathed new life in into areas and suddenly um uh, we've shifted the dial again if you look at the rent the renaissance of the the east coast and the coastal communities in the northeast of england where the renewable sector is suddenly transforming those locations again uh, economic development crucial to this 
has land been made available and assembled and uh, and brought to the market to allow people to to not only build these facilities but also provide the training for future generations to provide support to all the activity to provide the engineering that that underpins the supply chain to allow this to happen this is where economic development is making a difference in in a place that that otherwise maybe the investment just could not have taken place that's really interesting about the northeast um obviously the northeast resident myself but it, you know again it, you talk about economic development it very much seems to obviously you're the expert in this field but to someone like myself just a standard kind of member of the public it's quite fascinating to hear about how economic development really if you look at that as a tool it, it is a tool that's agile that can unlock potential by being what that area needs at that point in its cycle and in its in its kind of in its development uh, kind of route as it were Obviously, at the moment, we kind of it's looking like with the Conservatives, there's not a political podcast, obviously, but we might look like there'll be a Labour or some form of coalition, perhaps there might be a change in the uh, broader central politics in this country. What, what do you think is likely to see after the next election? Well, uh, and I agree with you, we're, we're a non-political organisation too, but uh, uh, but we obviously both work within a an environment that is shaped by central government. And uh, I think whoever wins the next election, um, Conservative or, or, or Labour or, or, or some sort of combination of, of parties, all of the parties are talking about devolution. Um, so I think that we are likely to see a continual um, increase in the passing of powers to, to local governments and to local agencies. Um, that might mean increased ability to raise local finance, be the master of, of destiny in terms of how that finance is, is then spent and to develop local policies that do best fit the local area. That That's true of, of all the main parties. The, the detail of how you might go about that um, may differ between, between the two parties, but that's the direction of travel. Um, and if we look at um, what the current levelling up white paper suggests, and bo both parties have got uh, departments that um, look after levelling up, the Department of Levelling Up um, Homes and Communities, they have created the mayoral command authorities that have got quite a lot of powers, quite a lot of extra finance has gone into those areas and they're just an ability to understand their local areas, invest in the, the things that are missing to try and unlock economic opportunity and to address economic failure where, where that exists too. So that's the direction of travel, exactly what the structure is and exactly how the funding works after the next government will be the, I think, will be the, the most important thing. Um, I think the devolution agenda is, 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 is here to stay. And in terms of obviously it's an important year uh, for the Institute of Economic Development, isn't it? I mean, there's your uh, 40 years um, the IED uh, has, has been around and there's an annual conference this year, which is on uh, grow for good, reappraising the UK's growth objectives on the 7th of November, uh, the part which is in Birmingham, where there's going to be workshops and presentations focused on related topics, including town centres, inclusive growth, skills, fair employment, housing, economic regener regeneration and health and well-being. Um, are you excited for the uh, the event? Oh, of course. Uh, I mean, the annual conference um like many others we had to make we had to do that remotely during the covid years but now it's an opportunity to to come together again we 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 had it for the first time post covid 
last year uh, that was in London but it's appropriate you know and important for the Institute of Economic Development where I've talked so much about regional economics uh, through this discussion that that we bring this to the regions it's the it's the first time we've held a major conference in in Birmingham um, we've got lots of people attending as well as listening to thought-provoking thinkers in this subject and also those who are setting the policy agenda it's just a great time to meet colleagues uh, and uh, and share ideas and you know it's, it's one of those opportunities where you you might only see um, some of these colleagues at the at the conference so uh, so I'm very much looking forward to it and uh, uh, and it's followed by uh, our awards dinner in the evening where we've had a record number of uh, entrants for our annual awards as well so no, it's been a good year for the Institute, uh, our 40th anniversary, as you say. But um, yeah, pressing on to make sure we make uh, to make 50 uh, and make the next 10 years an even more important 10 years. Amazing. And guys, just so you know, if you're listening there and you're interested in going on to the event, there'll be a link um, in the description on uh, Spotify and all other podcast streaming channels. But just as a bit of a heads up, some really heavy hitters on the workshop leaders in the form of Tamsin Hart-Jones, head of cities and major conurbations and Sarah Longlands, chief exec at CLES, uh, two workshop leaders. So, but look, I just want to say a huge thank you to our guest today, Nigel. It's been an absolute pleasure and an honour to, to speak to you about economic development. It's such an important topic and I agree with you and I hope that we see it transition into a statutory responsibility as we see more local, um, hopefully, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, more local power following the election. But uh, thank you so much for coming on, Nigel. I really do appreciate it. No, it's a pleasure, Matthew. Good to speak to you. You've been listening to the Truth About Local Government podcast, a podcast aimed at giving you an insight into what goes on behind the scenes in local government and its uh, suppliers and, and other such organisations. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed it, give it a like, give it a share, give it five stars. And I look forward to bringing to you some interesting episodes later in the week. You have been listening to the Truth About Local Government podcast. Remember, your local council does some amazing work, but you can help. So remember to vote and be engaged with the work they're doing. If you like this podcast, please like, share and give a five-star review. If you would like to feature on the podcast, have any shout-out of excellent work being done by a local authority or have any topics you would like covered, please email me at Truth about local government at gmail.com. Truth about local government. Local government is at the heart of what we do.